Shalom, everyone. It's a joy to be here with you again on your weekly broadcast of Your Jewish Connection, where we want to connect you with the Jewish identity of Jesus, the Jewish roots of the Christian faith, and the amazing things that God is doing amongst the Jewish people around the world, including in the land of Israel. Last week, we began our Jewish tour of the book of Acts, and uh, today we're going to continue with that and take a look at uh, the work of the Apostle Paul and how his example can be an influence on us today. Stay tuned for an eye-opening look at the book of Acts. Welcome to Your Jewish Connection with Rabbi Stewart, connecting you to the Jewish identity of Jesus and the Jewish roots of the Christian faith. Here now, Rabbi Stuart Winograd. We're continuing with our Jewish tour of the book of Acts, and, uh, you know, a careful reading of the book of Acts shows that a lot of that book follows the work of the Jewish apostle Paul and the amazing things that God was doing through Rabbi Shaul, the Apostle Paul, as he brought the gospel to Jewish people and to idol-worshiping people of the nations, the Bible calls them Gentiles. Rabbi Shaul, or Paul the Saint, Stuart and Shlomo, you see, he had two names. Some people think that he became the Apostle Paul when he became a Christian, but the reality is he always had these two names. One was his kind of Greek name, Paul, and the other one was his Jewish name, Shaul or Saul, like I have. Stuart, that's my English-American name, and my Hebrew name is Shlomo, which is Solomon. So I'm going to hopefully come to you folks with some wisdom today. You'll recall that one of the callings of God on the people of Israel was to be a light to the Gentiles. And it was the Jewish Apostle Paul, along with many other Jewish apostles and disciples, that were fulfilling this calling of the Jewish people to be a light to the nations in the first century. Let's take a look at a couple examples. I'm going to open up to Acts chapter 13, verses 14 through 16, as we take this Jewish tour of the book of Acts. Here we go. But they passed on from Perga and came to Antioch of Pisidia, entering the synagogue on the, on the Shabbat, or Sabbath, they sat down. And after reading of the Torah and the prophets, the synagogue leaders sent to them, saying, Brothers, if you have any word of encouragement for the people, speak. So Paul, standing up and motioning with his hands, said, Men of Israel and God-fearing, and God-fearers, listen. So I want to point a few things out to you here. Number one, we see that Paul, and this was really his custom, he would go into the synagogue on the Sabbath, the seventh day, Saturday. And notice that Paul was an honored guest. You know, I lead four congregations, and I don't invite anybody to my pulpit unless I respect them and their teachings. Paul, when he came, or Shaul, Rabbi Shaul, when he came into the synagogue, he was quickly invited up to share a word. And he shared that word with his Jewish brothers and sisters and God-fearers. Who are these God-fearers? Well, God-fearers was the name given to Gentiles, non-Jews, 
They didn't convert to Judaism, but worshiped the God of Israel in the synagogue with the Jewish people. And now let's continue with Acts 13. We're going to go to 42 and 43. We're jumping ahead a little bit for the sake of the points that we want to make. As Paul and Barnabas were going out, the people kept begging them to speak these things to them the next Shabbat. Paul had given a powerful message. When the synagogue meeting broke up, many of the Jewish people and God-fearing inquirers followed Paul and Barnabas, who were speaking with them and trying to persuade them to continue in the grace of God. So Paul gave this powerful message, and what was the result? Many Jewish people and God-fearing Gentiles believed and followed after Paul and Barnabas. And not only that, they were hungry. God wants all of us to be spiritually hungry. They were hungry, and they followed after Paul and Barnabas, and they wanted more. And when we are spiritually hungry, you know what Yeshua said about that? He said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. If the excitement has gone out of your walk with the Lord, or you don't feel filled, maybe one thing you need to consider is that it's time to hunger and thirst in a little deeper way. And if you have sin or a habitual addiction in your life, that will also take some of the spizzerinctum and joy out of walking with Yeshua. So, I want to suggest that you deal with that and get the help that you need if you if you need some help. So we got this scenario. Many Jews and God-fearing Gentiles believe, and then let's take a look. We're still in Acts 13. We're going to go to 44 and 47. Isn't this great to get a good look at what was happening in the book of Acts through its Jewish historical and cultural context? The following Shabbat, almost the entire city came together to hear the word of the Lord. I'm looking forward to that. I haven't gotten entire cities yet. Let's pray together that that not only I, but many, many men of God that are ministering the word of God get the entire city coming out. And when the Jewish leaders saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and tried to contradict what Paul was saying by reviling him. But both Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly. We need to speak the word with humility, with love, and utmost courage. And so Paul and Barnabas, they spoke boldly and said, It was necessary for the word of God to be spoken to you first, since you rejected and judge yourselves unfit for eternal life. Woo! That's pretty serious business. We're talking about life and death here. Yeshua is the dividing line between life and death, between eternal separation from God and eternal walk with the God of heaven and earth. And so, behold, we turn to the Gentiles, for so the Lord has commanded us, verse 37, I have placed you as a light to the nations so that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. So I want you to note a few more things here. Paul is a powerful man. He walks in the love and authority of Yeshua. He is sold out to the Lord. And so as he ministers, he's going into the synagogue again on the Sabbath. But now people have heard, and almost the whole city is gathered to hear. There's a great interest, a great hunger. Some of the Jewish leaders oppose Paul and give him and Barnabas a hard time. 
Nevertheless, Paul kept doing what God had called him to do. You know, sometimes we pay a price. People may not like it, but we always need to walk in love and humility, love and humility. And uh, they rebuked these Jewish leaders strongly uh, for their stubbornness. You know, based on these last few verses that we read in Acts 13 where Paul strongly rebuked these leaders, we might think that he never went to the Jewish people again because he said, well, I'm going to the Gentiles now. And this was part of the calling on the Jewish people and continues to be calling to be a light to the nations, a light to the Gentiles. But we might think that that he wasn't going to go to the Jewish people again and that they were rejected by God and the Jewish people were all close to Messiah. Sometimes people read it that way and they get that impression. But let's see what really happened by taking a jump to Acts chapter 17, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 3. When Paul and his companions had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a Jewish synagogue. As was his custom, Paul went into the synagogue And on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Yeshua, this Jesus, I am proclaiming to you is the Messiah, he said. And some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and quite a few prominent women, both But other Jews were jealous, so they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace, formed a mob, and started a riot in the city. So what's going on here? It's his custom to go into the synagogue. Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles, always went into the synagogue first. He was practicing what he preached And we should all practice what we should preach. We should walk the walk, not just have the talk. And he was practicing Romans 1.16, where he said, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for the salvation of all who believe to the Jew first and equally to the Gentiles. So he was going into the synagogue, and what was happening? He was again a welcomed itinerant rabbi, teacher, the leaders of the synagogue let him speak three Sabbaths in a row, and he spoke with love, authority, and the power of the Holy Spirit. And he proclaimed Yeshua, Jesus, as the Messiah of Israel and the Savior of all people. Quite a few believed. Few who? Jewish people and God-fearers, those Gentiles who were in the synagogue worked worshiping the God of Israel. Something typical also happened. There were some that were jealous. They opposed him. They didn't believe, and they started to stir up some trouble by grabbing a hold of, what did they call them? Bad characters. And they formed a mob and started a riot in the city. Paul, even though he faced trial after trial, Difficulty after difficulty, he had that peace, that shalom that goes beyond understanding, that supernatural peace. 
And he had that assurance of what Yeshua promises to all of us. In this world, at times, you will have troubles, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. That's recorded in John 16, 33. We're going to pick up on this in a moment. Stay tuned as we continue with a Jewish tour of the book of Acts. Listening to Faith Talk Atlanta. Really encourage me. Find out more at faithtalkatlanta.com. As I mentioned, based on Acts chapter 13 and Paul's strong rebuke of the Jewish leaders there that were opposing his message, one could possibly think that Paul never again after that incident went to the Jewish people and that they all rejected Messiah, were close to him, and they were rejected by God. We can think that after that, he only went to the Gentiles. But if we read the book of Acts carefully, we understand that's an incorrect understanding and an erroneous reading of what really happened in history and is recorded in the book of Acts in our precious inspired word of God, the Bible. So let's get clear what was really happening back in 13 so that we can move forward. In Acts 13, he was speaking specifically to that group of Jews in the synagogue uh, in the city of Antioch of Pisidia. Those Jews, not all, those that were stubbornly opposing the message of Yeshua. And... uh, We know it wasn't all because many of the Jews had already believed his message and were hungry for more. So, that's why in Acts 17, Paul continues his custom. On the Sabbath, he would go into the Jewish synagogue where he would find Jewish people and God-fearers, Gentiles, who were worshiping the God of Israel. And he was a welcomed guest speaker because Paul was an honored itinerant rabbi. And he reasoned from the scriptures. Which scriptures? Sometimes we get the picture that he was reasoning from the New Testament. But the fact of the matter is the New Testament had not yet been put together yet. And he was actually the one who would author a good part of it. So where was he reasoning from? What scriptures? He was reasoning from the Old Testament, the Tanakh. The New Testament was not yet put together. So he was reasoning from the Torah, the five books of Moses, the prophets and the writings, the Tanakh. So we also know in his second letter to Timothy in chapter 3, Paul explained to Timothy that the Old Testament scriptures were able to make him and others wise unto the salvation that exists in Messiah Yeshua. You see, the Old Testament and the New Testament, the Tanakh and the Brit Hadashah in Hebrew, Old Testament and New Testament, it is a continuity of God's thinking and God's plan for mankind. And it's the best way for us to relate to the Bible, understanding that the Old Testament and the New Testament represent a 
continuity of God's thinking, God's plan for mankind. Okay. Now, uh, how should Paul's example and that scripture in Romans 1.16 influence our lives and our ministries today? You remember it was his custom to go into the synagogue to bring the gospel to the Jewish people and any Gentiles were there, and then he would turn out and uh, fulfill that scripture of Jewish people being a light to the nations and go to the Gentiles that were not in the synagogue. And you remember he said in Romans 1.16 that the gospel is the power of God for the salvation of all who will believe to the Jew first and also to the Gentiles. And so I think Paul's example and what's written in Romans 1.16 and supported in many other places in the Scriptures should influence us in a significant way. You see, Jewish people are often forgotten or ignored by Christians and churches when it comes to bringing the gospel. Some people think that Jews will be saved under the Old Covenant. Well, that's not what Yeshua taught. We are an unreached people group because of this kind of thinking. Only about 2% of all Jewish people are believers in Yeshua, Jesus. You see, Yeshua said that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. And so if you are a believer in Jesus, if you are a follower of Yeshua, then you need to take his words to heart. He is saying that for Jewish people and for Gentiles, people of every nation under heaven, there is one way to the Father. There is one door, entry point into eternal fellowship with our Father God, the creator of heaven and earth. And that door, that way is Yeshua. His life, death, and resurrection is the way for me and my Jewish people and for you and your people. You know, almost all the Bible was written by Jewish people. Jesus was a Jew. The gospel went first to the Jewish people in Israel. And 2,000 years ago, there was a tremendous revival amongst the Jewish people in Jerusalem and in the land of Israel. Thousands of Jewish people were followers of Yeshua in that first century. Sadly, today, most Jews don't know their Messiah Yeshua and are traveling what the Scriptures say is a broad road to destruction because Yeshua said that he is the narrow way to life and there's a broad road to destruction. He is the way. He is the life. He is the truth. Romans 11.11 tells us something very interesting. You may not know this, but today you will know it, that one of your callings, if you are a non-Jewish, Gentile, follower of Jesus, one of your callings, and this is from the Scriptures, is to make the Jewish people jealous. Romans 11.11 says, This is part of your calling, to make the Jewish people jealous. Now, how are you going to do this? I want to just briefly mention four ways that you can make my people jealous of who you are and the life that you live. Number one, by your 
incredible, sold out, wholehearted surrender and love to the Messiah of Israel, the Savior of all, Yeshua, Jesus. Number two, by your incredible love for all people and your incredible Yeshua kind of love for the Jewish people. You know, Jewish people have pretty good what I call discernment antennas. The reason being is because we've been given a pretty hard time and persecuted for about 2,000 years in pretty much every nation that we've lived in. And so we really are finely tuned to people who don't have an agenda but sincerely want to develop a relationship with us and love us. You can't preach as a Christian, just preach Jesus at Jews. You got to love them into the kingdom of God one at a time and develop these loving and trusting relationships. So number two was to sincerely love all people and deeply love Yeshua's brothers and sisters of the flesh, the Jewish people. Number three, when you embrace the Jewish identity of Jesus and the Jewish roots of your Christian faith and understand the scriptures in their Jewish historical and cultural concept, that gives you a deep, deep connection with Jewish people because Jewish people often feel like Christians are another religion, another world, and there's no kind of bridge between Christians and Jewish people. But the scriptures are exactly the opposite. So embrace the Jewish identity of Jesus and the Jewish roots of your Christian faith. Next, number four, when you stand against anti-Semitism and when you stand up for the Jewish people's biblical right to the little sliver of land called Israel, this makes a difference in the hearts of Jewish people. Fourth way to make them jealous. I want to share a couple of stories with you that will bring home the point here. I've been in touch with uh, uh, many churches. Many churches partner with Reach Initiative International, and uh, well no- one well-known, very large, and very wealthy church that I've been in touch with, they support ministry in Israel to Palestinian people. This is a good thing, and I'm happy about it. However, they have zero ministry to Jewish Israelis or Jewish people around the world. This should not be this way. 1 Corinthians 11.1 says, Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. This is the apostle to the Gentiles, Paul, saying this, meaning that we should follow his faith, his character, his prayer life, his ways. And what's his prayer life for Jewish people? What's his ways for Jew- toward his Jewish people? Romans 10.1 Brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the people of Israel is that they may be saved. You know, uh, Pastor uh, Robert Morris is the pastor of one of the largest and fastest growing churches in America, Gateway Church in, in Dallas. He says this, we are so blessed because we give our first fruits to God's firstborn, the Jewish people. Gateway Church actually gives one-tenth of its mission tithe to the Jew first through Israel-focused ministries, plus is the first check written each month by their church office. 
by our church office. He also said, in this spiritual awakening toward Israel and the Jewish people, Pastor Morris does not encourage our focus to be exclusive by any means, but rather to reprioritize them in order that God has in an order that God has already established in his word for his kingdom purposes, and that is Romans 1.16, to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. Pastor Robert Morris, Jack Hayford, Don Finto, and many other internationally acclaimed church leaders speak these kind of words. They are good examples of how churches and pastors uh, should, should be responding to the need to love on and share the good news of Messiah with the Jewish people. Shalom until next week.